Man, oh man, do we got a podcast episode for you guys today. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to another episode of the Action Academy podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lubin, getting you into conversations with people that have achieved financial independence, putting some tools in your tool belt to help you achieve the same yourself so you get back your freedom, baby, your freedom. Today's episode is none other than my friend, Jordan Berry. Jordan is the host of the Laundromat Resource Podcast and also has a website, laundromatresource.com, and a whole online community centered around this. So as you can tell, he's an investor in, you guessed it, laundromats. So Jordan actually did something really cool where he went and tried to buy his first one and it was a complete disaster. There was no information available online. So what Jordan did was he became the thought leader, basically, and he wanted to create an online community that would help teach people how to avoid the mistakes that he made so that they could be more profitable more quickly. And that, my friends, is the topic of today's show. If I could have one ask of you, just one, I would ask if you could pause this right now, go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and a review if you really feel called to from this episode, and uh, just share on social. That's how we're going to grow. That's how it helps the algorithm to get this podcast out there and how we're going to be able to impact and change more lives. So would appreciate that. And without any further ado, my man, Jordan Berry. The man, the myth, the laundromat machine, Jordan Berry. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? You thought I wasn't going to come up with some stupid, stupid intro. You're wrong, my friend. (laughs) Uh, The laundromat machine. I've never been called that before, but I love it. Laundromat machine making heads spin. Making heads. I'm going to make your head spin today. I'm looking forward to that. Hey, let's go. Let's go. But um, for everyone listening, Jordan here is the host of the Laundromat Resource Podcast and also online community. I love what you're doing with all of this. We're going to go. I think we should start at a 30,000 foot view. We'll go into your backstory, 30,000 foot, and then come down to the nitty gritty. But basically his community that he has going is about laundromats. Now, Brian, laundromats. Why are we doing a podcast about this? I will tell you, my friend, that if any of you invest in stocks, you know you get some dividends, which is maybe a couple cents on the dollar, a couple cents on every $10. If you invest in real estate, you're maybe cash flowing $150, $200 per door net. Jordan does small businesses where small cash flowing businesses and laundromats are his niche. And these things can print out hundreds, if not thousands of dollars per month, net cash flow to the owner. So Jordan, from that point, man, I've got you locked and loaded, brothers, take it away. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's kind of the thing, man. And it, I mean, honestly, so I invest in real estate, um, but I also have, I own a couple of laundromats. I have, you know, an investment group and we invest in laundromats together and, and all that. And I kind of accidentally stumbled into laundromats and then quickly realize, holy cow, like Uh the, the, yeah, the, well, I quickly realized I did everything all wrong. That was first. We can go back and talk about that uh, later if you want to. But then after that, I realized, holy cow, like the, you know, the average returns because of the way that laundromats are valued, the average returns on, on your investment unleveraged is 20 to 25% uh, for a laundromat. You're, you're basically, when you buy a laundromat, Yes, you're buying washers and dryers, but really what you're buying is the cash flow because um, the mm-hmm. value is based off of that net operating income. So you're buying the cash flow and you're buying it based on a multiple of the net income. And that multiple is usually between four and five, somewhere in there, um, mm-hmm. which means you're getting a 20 to 25% return on your money. And I have, you know, just, you know, I, I'm, the average real estate deal just cannot touch the average laundromat deal in terms of cash flow. Real estate has a ton of perks too, but shoot, man, for cash flow. And if you're looking to get out of the rat race, laundromats are you know, very tempting, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's and that's a perfect that's a perfect ex- example of why I want you on the show today. Um, so the main purpose of the podcast is obviously to talk about 
uh, financial independence through passive income. And we're going to have a lot of real estate guys on here. We've had a couple of real estate guys on here and we're going to continue to have those guys on here. But I want to be able to equip all of you guys and girls that are listening to this with a bunch of tools in your tool belt to be able to pull out and know that there are 30,000 ways to climb this freaking mountain that is financial independence. And we're going to give you as many different avenues as we can. And then you can just pick and choose which path you want to go up. So Jordan, you said you're a commercial and residential broker, correct? Yeah. And small business. And small business. Okay, sweet. So kind of walk us through like where you started, where you began, what got you interested in all of this journey in general? (laughs) Uh, It's a funny story. Well, I mean, I get asked all the time, like laundromats, that's so random. Like who does (laughs) <laughs> laundromats, right? Uh, it turns out a lot of uh, weird people like me own laundromats. Uh, but the, I mean, here's here's how it all happened is I was a pastor for like 15 years. And I got, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. So I know, I'd, well, I was a physics major that turned into a pastor that now owns laundromats and runs a laundromat podcast. I don't know, dude, life. Wholesome. Life gets weird. Life gets weird sometimes. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I mean, I got to a point where I was like, okay, I I, I don't think I want to do this full time anymore, um, like as a vocation. So I quit, but I didn't really have a plan on what to do. And so I was trying to figure out, okay, what do I do with my time now? And how do I make money? You know, all my experience was in ministry, right? And uh, I, we had a little bit of money uh, and in the bank and, and we're trying to figure out what to do. And I had this genius idea, speaking of real estate investing, uh, mm-hmm. was we'd rent out our house here in Southern California, take our money, go buy a condo in Hawaii, live, you know, on the beach in Hawaii for a couple of years. Well, until our kids were school age, we had young kids at the time until mm-hmm. they were about school age. And we could move back to our house in Southern California, rent out our condo in Hawaii, net gain condo in Hawaii. And I thought that was pretty genius. Um, you know, I was envisioning myself selling jewelry on the beach or whatever. Uh, but, uh, my wife said, I have an idea. We could buy a laundromat. (laughs) So your wife just comes out of left field. Yeah. Out of left field, man. I had never, I don't think I had ever even been in a laundromat at that point in time. Uh, and I guess her, her parents had friends who had a son. So it's like random person basically, uh, who had, you know, a, a tech job up in Silicon Valley and quit his tech job and bought a laundromat and then bought a second one and was, you know, making money and had a lot of spare time, uh, a lot of what I call flex time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sounded pretty lucrative to us. We're like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Like you can make pretty good money and uh, you know, have flexible time. And that's kind of what we're all looking for. Right. So, so we bought a laundromat and made like, every mistake in the book. And I'm pretty sure we invented a couple of mistakes at the same time, just to, you know, put a little cherry on top of it. Impressive. Um, yeah. And literally ended up costing me tens of thousands of dollars, uh, just from doing things wrong. Um, and then got to a point where I was like, you know what, I've learned these lessons now and I've paid a lot of money to learn them. I can either, you know, abandon this and go, try something else, or I can try to put it to good use. And so then that's how I started laundromat resource, um, and trying to help other people learn those mistakes much cheaper and easier than I did. couple things I want to pull out of that story that you just said. So that's, that's an amazing, amazing story. And that's absolutely not where I thought your backstory would <laughs> come from, <laughs> but it, it's so cool, man. Um, so the first thing I want to pull out of there is kudos to you, man. Uh, Giving up basically Hawaii to start and buy a laundromat and kudos to your freaking wife, man. Like virtual high five to her, dude. Like what wife or girlfriend in the history of life would be like, no, honey, I don't want to move to Hawaii. I want to buy a laundromat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will tell you because I made a lot of mistakes, I ended up having to do a lot of stuff on my own fixing up this laundromat. And I was, I have so many memories at like midnight, like mopping up after homeless people or something. And I'm like, I could be in Hawaii right now. So, and, and guess who bowed out of the business real quick? My Uh wife. So it became my responsibility real fast. So kudos to her for that too. She pulled the little Houdini on me. 
she yeah she gets full 360 credit but um another credit to you is so i mentioned bigger pockets a lot for real estate and they kind of pioneered the way for people going online to figure out how to invest and how to be able to be a good investor without making mistakes that a lot of people before them had made and so it's like the information isn't being gate kept like it was so long before and so that's why I freaking love what you're doing. And that's what, especially why I wanted to bring you on. Cause it was so cool that the laundromat space was so gate kept that there was nothing. And that's why you made all those mistakes. So can you kind of talk about how you battled through that almost creative resistance that all of us have to become creators instead of just consumers of content? And then what called you to really provide that resource for people moving past you and build that kind of community that you did over at the laundromat resource. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it all stems out of my desperation, man, to be honest with you. Like it was, it was, you know, it was rough. I mean, when I, I bought a business expecting, I mean, the numbers the broker gave me were like incredible, right? Like I was mm-hmm. making, I was going to buy a laundromat for like 75 grand to be making 150 a year or something like that based off this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. And to go from expecting maybe not quite that, but expecting something pretty good to I was losing fifteen hundred, two thousand a month for like a year, year and a half, for like a punch in the gut, and uh, I did not know where to go. I did not know who to turn to. I was grasping for help, for information, for someone who knew the business who could help me out of it, and I could not find it and. Uh, you know, there weren't things like laundromat resource, uh, available. There weren't forums that were super helpful at the time. There weren't Facebook groups like there are now, uh, to find help. And so, you know, I got to a point where I was like, man, like, I think that at least at the very least, like I could put some information out there that could help some people. So that's when I decided, I decided I just started a little blog. And so I started a blog, just started writing about, you know, different mistakes and, and stuff like that. And, and then I was like, well, I, I actually really prefer being like doing video. It's just a lot easier mm-hmm. for me. And so then I started a YouTube channel and I started making videos and then those started kind of getting a little bit of traction. And then I was like, you know what, if I really want to be good in this business, I should talk to the people who are like the best in the business. So then that's mm-hmm. when I started the podcast and I started interviewing other owners and then that evolved into other owners and industry professionals. And it's just kind of taken off from there. It's been a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun doing it. Uh, but that's kind of where it stemmed from is just wanting to help other people, you know, cause I, I truly believe man, like if you get in the right way, laundromats, you know, can, can lead you to that freedom a lot faster than most anything else that I know in a more predictable and, and stable way than most anything I know. So, And I love that. And I love, let's talk a little bit about the niche of laundromats and cash flow and businesses in general. So there's going to be a lot of resistance for people that are listening to this initially. And I have the same resistance where you're like, I don't know how to run a business. I don't know anything about laundromats. I don't know anything about running a business. I heard Cody Sanchez, I don't know if you're familiar with her and kind of unconventional acquisitions. Um, she was speaking at an event that I was at and she was talking about how in 2008 onward, there was a real estate crash, which we all remember. And then, so the opportunity was ripe for real estate because everyone wanted out. So that means that you can be able to come in. This was the asset to go and get cheap. You can be able to buy a house for pennies on the dollar. And now all of those people have amassed all this wealth. So now we're post-COVID, quote unquote, post-COVID, and real estate's booming. The market is very, very saturated. It's not impossible to get to get and find deals, but it's more difficult to get and find deals, which I'm sure you know. And But now we're seeing kind of that same 2008 shortage in the small business world to where half of these businesses have either gone out of business or they have owners that are just like, hey, I've been doing this since 2000. I'm done. I'm out. Somebody please come take this from me. I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So now the opportunity is really, really ripe in the small business space. So can you talk a little bit about 
um, the benefits of laundromats and why you chose them over other like small cash flow businesses? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think you're right. I think that there is an opportunity right now. Um, although, I mean, so it's kind of interesting with laundromats specifically. So I think a lot of people kind of looked around over the last year and a half or so and saw, you know, business shut down, business shut down, business shut down, laundromat open. Interesting. And when mm-hmm. most other businesses were closed, laundromats were still open. They were essential businesses and by and large, um, they remained open throughout as long as the owner wanted to keep them open um, with, with few exceptions. So, uh, so I think that piqued a lot of people's uh, attention, but going back to your question, which was, you know, why for, for me in particular, this was, you know, obviously pre, pre all that, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I think that it's the, the flex time in combination with the money, you know, that the, the returns you can get, you know, a lot of small businesses are available, but you know, if you're going to have a convenience store, it's really hard to, I mean, I have, I have a, a little convenience store also, and it's really hard to, you know, to, to cover all your costs and make a decent profit, you know, if you're not going to be the one actually working there. So, you know, at that point you're more self-employed, it's not impossible and plenty of people do it, but it's just a little more difficult to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you got to deal with things like inventory. You got to, I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of things that you got to deal with that you don't really have to deal with, with laundromats, right? You're not really, you don't really have an inventory, uh, that you have to deal with. You have very few staff that you have to deal with. Um, you know, a lot of times it's just part-time staff that just come in a couple hours a day to make sure everything's clean and tidy. Uh, you know, it's just very simple business. It's a, I don't want to say easy because, you know, anytime you're dealing with people and anytime you have a bunch of machines that can break or go down or whatever, you know, there's going to be challenges with that. And there are definitely challenges. Um, but, uh, it's a relatively simple business. There's not a whole lot of moving parts. There's nothing to like go spoil or go bad. There's nothing to really keep track of. It's mostly a cash business. And I mean, there's just a lot of perks to it that, make it, I think a pretty attractive business model, you know, and, and it's a, what I call a rhythmic business, right? Like mm-hmm. people get into a rhythm of when they do their laundry. I see the same customers on the same day around the same time, every single week or every other week. And, you know, it's habitual. So it's almost like a subscription model without the actual subscription, because people just kind of keep coming back and it's the same people and there's community involvement. And I think also, I like the idea that laundromats can really, if, if you want to use them this way, you can make a big difference in a community uh, by providing, mm-hmm. you know, a safe, clean place for the community to gather and, and do, you know, the most hated chore in America. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot to be said to that because I feel like it is the one of the best ways to provide an immediate impact for somebody's weekly life. Because I've got a couple of other friends that own laundromats and they take a lot of pride in them. You know, it's these crappy, like really poor, poorly run. They call them zombie mats, you know, because it's like they're they're basically dead. Um, every, the lights barely work. Half the stuff, half the equipment doesn't work. And then they go in, they put paint on it. They have like an area for the kids to play. Uh, they've got air fresheners. It just is, it makes their weekly, it makes the people that come there like actually excited to be able to come and do something that they normally hate. Um, so you spoke a little bit about kind of the hands off. Uh, we talk a lot about passive income. I don't want to be, I don't ever want anyone to think that any of this is purely, purely passive until you get to a point where you've got enough money to just throw apartment syndicators or maybe, maybe Jordan, I don't know if you're syndicating for laundromats um, until you're an accredited investor. Uh, that would be more so mailbox money where it's truly passive. But what we're talking about isn't necessarily 100% passive, but it's pretty darn close with the business model if you build the systems and processes the right way. So can you talk a little bit about your story? So you started, you messed everything up. What were some of the main things that you messed up? And what did you do on your second or third one to where you're like, okay, this is my main areas that I messed up as a rookie and that I fixed them here. And then something that we could talk about there. Yeah. I mean, I think my, my biggest 
mistake, my biggest lesson learned was I relied pretty much solely and you know, mostly because I couldn't find anywhere else to turn, but I relied solely on the one person who broker gained something, you know, from <laughs> buying a laundromat and as a broker, right. This is my sole source of information. Basically. I, I read a couple things online, but there really wasn't that much out there. And, you know, I, I didn't know what I didn't know, right. I didn't know any better. Right. And so, you know, having, having somebody else, who, you know, now knows, you know, the business and knows what to look for, knows the red flags, you know, to look for, knows, you know, where, you know, where people are trying to pull the wool over your eyes. There's some, you know, there's some specific places that you can get duped and Mm -hmm. would never know it if you've never bought it before until it's too late. And, but somebody who's been in the industry will know, right. What to look for. And so, you know, having somebody, who knows the business. It could be another owner, you know, it could be a consultant. It could be, you know, even just some of the, the information, you know, that is free on laundromat resource and some of the resources we have on there that's free um, that you can download. Well, I mean, it w- literally just the free information on the site literally would have saved me tens of thousands of dollars with my first laundromat. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, and to get a little more specific, I didn't really understand how to run the numbers. Um, and you know, obviously, and I didn't, I mean, to be honest, man, I was coming out of a pastoral background. I hadn't, I knew nothing about business. I had no, I didn't know. And the, and in fact, the way that I learned about real estate investing and then about business was from those long nights trying to recover from my bad decision when I was at the laundromats and I just listened to podcasts and that's eventually I found like bigger pockets, real estate guys, a lot of those podcasts. And really that's when I learned about you know, some of the like rich dad, poor dad stuff and, mm-hmm. you know, all that. And like, I literally had no idea about any of that. I was just naive going into it, you know? Um, and so, um, but yeah, I didn't know how to run the numbers. I didn't know. I didn't even know probably what return on investment was. I definitely mm-hmm. didn't know what net operating income was. You know, I didn't know how to verify income or verify expenses. In fact, my the broker told me, ah, oh, we don't need to do that. We're going to be putting in some new machines. So it doesn't really matter how much money is coming in now. Cause look at all this money that's going to come in when we put in new machines, you know, with no effort other than replacing machines. And, you know, it just didn't work out that way, but I didn't know that I needed to, no, I need to do a little more due diligence. You know, I needed to look into the numbers. I needed to see what the issues were of the business. You know, it turns out it's a lot easier to rehab the physical location than it is to rehab the reputation of the business. And so Mm. I I need a solid plan on, okay, here's how I'm going to rehab the business reputation. uh, Not just here, I'm going to put in these new machines, right? Mm -hmm, Because it has such a bad backstory. Got it. It was, it was bad, man. It was bad. Mm -hmm. So you're telling me, you're telling me for everyone listening, just to recap here. So you're telling me, a pastor that is like, Hey, I'll try of business. Pastor of disaster. Okay. Make it sound cool some way. It's just not like a cool thing. Okay. Well, what, what's your, what's your new superhero name? I don't know. I, I don't have a superhero. The disaster name. pastor yeah. um, <laughs> goes and he, he tries to, the disaster pastor tries to master <laughs> business and doesn't, doesn't know how to read the PL, doesn't know what net operating income and all that stuff is, fails miserably, is losing $1,500 a month on his investment that he thought was going to make six figures. And he just was financially wrecked and destroyed by that, wasn't it? Wait, hold on a second. No, this guy took this failure and then, then he was like, let me fix it. Let me revamp it. Let me redo it. And now you have multiple you're in the green, you're profitable, and now you're the thought leader and one of the main thought leaders in the space within a couple of years, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I, I bought that first one maybe seven, eight years ago, but like yeah. all the all that stuff happened within the last two years, basically. Yeah. So, what makes you, what do you think is the main differentiator between, because we're all going to get punched in the face, mm-hmm. either in life or physically, if you're drunk at a bar, 
or in or business. A, yeah. a bad laundromat. I mean, I have gotten into physical altercations. No? So there you go. So what do you think is the differentiator? Maybe just like having grit between when you do is a matter of when, not if, when you do get punched in the face, leaning in and then still going all in instead of backing out and then just kind of sitting back on your losses and saying, oh, I put my hand out, got burned by the fire. I'm done with this whole business thing. I'm just going to put my money in index funds. What do you think is the differentiating factor there? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think it depends, right? I think mm-hmm. there probably are situations and maybe mine was one of them. I'm not sure where it's okay to like say, Hey, you know what? I tried this and it didn't work. I think the differentiator is okay. So I'm done versus, okay, so what do I try next? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, you know, and, and that's a hard thing to do. Like it's, it's hard. I will just say that I have had many hard, hard nights where I was just like, I don't know what to like. Do I stop now? Do I quit or do I just keep going? And I mean, it's, it's difficult to do it, but I mean, you're never going to get wherever it is you want to go if you just kind of quit. Right. And, and I'm not, mm-hmm. I don't even necessarily think that you know, if I had, if I had just cut my losses, sold that first laundromat, never bought any more and tried something different, that it would have been the ba- a, a bad decision or the wrong decision. It could have still been a good decision if I had tried something else. And I think that eventually, and I think this is kind of how I think about life, right? Like when I was younger and I think a lot of younger people are like this and they, they try something for a little bit and they get bored of it and then they done, right? It's this kind of shiny object. They try something for a little bit and they're done. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. But at some point, if you ever want to be the best at something, or you want to excel at something, or you want something to take you to the next level, or you want to build wealth, you have to land on something and just say, okay, come hell or high water. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it work. I'm going to stick with it. And for me, it just kind of came down to, okay, do I just sell and cut my losses? Or do I just take these super expensive lessons and try to turn them into something? And maybe it'll work and maybe it won't work. I don't know, but I'm just going to kind of go for it. And at some point, you got to draw the line in the sand and just say, okay, I'm done chasing shiny objects. I've learned enough about myself and what I'm interested in, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, that I know that if I go this direction, I got a shot of making it. And that's kind of what it came down to for me. Uh, and I just drew the line in the sand and said, okay, we're going to go for it. That is, man, that is so powerful. I don't even think you realize the wisdom that you're over here spitting, <laughs> man. The pastor is preaching people. The pastor's <laughs> preaching, man. That was fantastic. I think I would make the argument that shiny object syndrome may be the number one thing that prevents investors from attaining real wealth. And I am 100% guilty of that. And I think we all are. And that's okay to admit, especially in the beginning, because I'm not quite sure what my niche is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, just like Brandon kind of went to the mobile home parks and that's his thing. And it's kind of in the same camp as the laundromats. It's recession resistant. So I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to buy real estate. What if it crashes? I don't want to buy stock. What if it crashes? Cash flow in business is a cash flow in business. Like you don't need a find something that's like the sexiest thing in the entire world. Like that's normally where the steady money is. Um, There's another quote that comes to mind when you just said what you said. And it's where Brandon Turner was talking about the Island out in the sea, like success Island, if if you want to call it that. And then you're building a bridge from the mainland to success Island. And then what a lot of people do is they start getting halfway onto the ocean and then they go back and they're like, Oh, let me try to build another bridge. Then they go back. Let me go try to build another bridge. And then they go back. So what Jordan's talking about for people listening is staying on that bridge and building that bridge all the way to the island to where you master something and then move on to maybe something else afterwards. So what's next for you? Where do you kind of see this going with the laundromats? Is this something that you want to build a massive portfolio on or is this just a part of your diversification like strategy? Yeah. Well, let me go real quick because I like the analogy that you're talking about, about building a bridge. And I think what happens a lot of times is we're building the bridge and we're out in the middle of the ocean trying to get to that island, right? And we get slapped by a wave 
or two mm-hmm. waves or three waves or five waves. And we think it's the bridge's fault, right? Like the bridge is the problem. And so we go back and we say, Hey, I need to try to build another bridge and maybe I'll do it a little differently somehow, but then we're going to get slapped by the waves again. That's just part of it. Like right? if you're building in the <laughs> ocean, you're going to get hit by a wave. Like that's just how it goes. And it doesn't matter if you're building the bridge of real estate, of stocks, of laundromats, of whatever, you know, amazon.com it doesn't matter you're going to get hit by the waves but you just kind of keep going you just got to keep building and again you know you don't have to always do that but at some point you got to draw the line if you want to hit your goals assuming you have some goals and if you don't you should set some goals uh step one jordan berry set goals (laughs) end end of the podcast pursue the goals step three profit uh, yeah, yeah. so going back to your question, sorry, I just wanted to kind of comment on that. That's perfect. But, uh, going back to your question of like, what's the end goal? So interesting question, right? So I kind of came to this point where I, it's, it's all an evolution for me. Right. So I was like, okay, I want to get a bunch of these things. Right. And so then I started kind of going, building that bridge a little bit. And then I started the laundromat resource blog And I was like, actually, I kind of like this too. So I'm going to just kind of walk down this bridge a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then I started the YouTube and I was like, this bridge is actually kind of growing a little faster than anticipated. I mean, it's nothing, nothing huge, nothing like no impressive structure, but it's a lot of fun. And I'm meeting a lot of people in the podcast. And, and, uh, and then I got to a point where I was getting ready. I had just started actually a, a laundry pickup and delivery service with one of my laundromats. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I was like, I need to either commit to this, you know, hundred percent to this laundry pickup and delivery, um, or I need to commit to laundromat resource. And mm. it was a really hard, I kept going back and forth. I'm not really sure what to do. And then one day it was just like an easy decision. And I was like, you know what? I really love doing the laundromat resource stuff. I love helping people out. I love talking to these like top notch laundromat owners. You know, uh, I do a live Q and a every single month with, uh, Dave laundromat millionaire men's like super cool, uh, to be doing that. And so I'm, I'm just enjoying like that. And so I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to do the pickup and delivery anymore. So I shut that part of the business down and focus full-time on laundromat resource. But with that, I've met so many awesome people in this industry and two in particular who I, you know, we decided to partner up together and we started an investment group where we are syndicating uh, laundromat deals with investors and in commercial real estate too. Um, But that I think is the way that I'm going to grow my portfolio. You know, from here on, I'm going to do it through the investment group you know, we're, we're, we have a management company that we're starting alongside of it and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having it even more hands-off, uh, for, for us. Yes. But also offering that to other, you know, people who want to participate in the, in the, in the perks of laundromats, but don't necessarily even want the little bit of work that it does take, uh, don't want to be able to do, or don't want to do that either. Kind of like, uh, property management, uh, for laundromats. And so for me, that, is an awesome way for me to continue to grow my laundromat portfolio, my real estate portfolio, and also be able to dedicate the majority of my time to doing what I've been really enjoying, which is the laundromat resource stuff. Okay. So it's, so you said, you mentioned the young kids before, um, did, how did they kind of factor in? How does everything outside of laundromat resource, like wife, kid, do you want to go travel? Do you want to get, do anything in particular? Why do you want your time? Yeah. Well, I mean, number one, let's just, let's just call it like it is. Number one, I got to go get my house in Hawaii that I should have originally Dude, had. Can't uh, wait to visit. Yeah. You can't come on through. I got my eye on one right now that I don't know, but it's, it'll be sweeter too now. Uh, it'll be, it'll be so much sweeter, you know? So, I mean the, obviously, you know, it's the freedom that's, that's the, the big why, right? I, my kids are, it's crazy, man. They just, Everybody says it, but it's just true. They just grow so fast. I got a fifth grader and a second grader. My daughter just had her eighth birthday last week. And I'm like, dude, I have a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old. And I feel like they were just born. Like, it's crazy. And and I'm like, you know, last year my son was nine. And I was like, 
he's like halfway to being an adult. Like that is <laughs> bizarre, man. man. And, uh, yeah. You know, so just, you know, spending as much time and like, I just, I want to do epic stuff with my family. I want, I want to be able to just, when I tell people about the things that we get to do, um, I want people to be like, that is awesome. And not for the fact that I want people to think that it's awesome. It's for the fact that I want to be doing that stuff with my family. And I want it to be awesome stuff. Like not your run of the mill, you know, go on your two week family vacation stuff. I want to go once a year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want to go do epic, epic stuff, sail the South Pacific for six months. I want to, you know, go explore Patagonia with my kids and my wife. And, you know, I like just cool stuff. I want to go do it all uh, with them. So that's a big, that's a big part of it, um, of the why of why I'm doing what I'm doing. But the other side of it too, is like both with owning laundromats and also with what I'm doing with laundromat resource, I feel like it's an opportunity for me to make positive impacts into Mm. parts of America and not just America, the world really um, parts of, of the world that, that need good people making positive impacts, right? If I can help a laundromat owner and I just got off a consulting call with a guy in, in Chicago. And if I could help that guy take a zombie mat that you were talking about earlier and turn it into, you know, a safe, clean place where, you know, moms can bring their kids and do their laundry and talk with each other. And the kids can play around together and, and just makes that little corner of the world a little bit brighter. Like that's pretty cool, man. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I really like the idea of, of having an impact in that subtle kind of like behind the scenes kind of way, but like real intangible kind of way too. Man, I love that. We got, we got our smile track people. I love whenever I ask that question, I, I ask them about the why and then they give me a why. And then I ask them really about the why. And then y'all start like getting this huge smile on your face. And then you're like, okay, but really like, this is what I really want to do, man. And that is, uh, that was awesome to hear, man. I cannot wait to see you post that freaking house in Hawaii. Yes, man. That is going to be the sweetest feeling in the world walking in there and uh, having that for the first time, man, because I I just see the work you're doing and I can't wait to see that for you, man. That's going to be so, so cool. Yeah. Um, want to be conscious of our time here. So as we kind of wrap this up, I want to go into this last little section here. Um, I think we've talked a lot about the concepts. I think we've talked a lot about the why behind it and the kind of like the 30,000 foot view. I would really like to go into kind of like a financial statement here, a financial analysis where with laundromats. So the first thing I want to do is let's walk really quickly through a kind of like a step-by-step process that somebody would need to go through to buy a business and how that'd be evaluated. We can do like a little five to 10 minute spin on it. And obviously you can find more information on the laundromat resource about how to submit an LOI, stuff like that. But um, hey, Jordan, I want to buy a laundromat and this isn't even technically facetious. Like I, this is going to be my focus next year is buying laundromats. So where do I go? What's the first step? I mean, obviously the first step is to go to laundromat resource. But you, you, film, you record a podcast with Jordan Barry. That's the first step. Step that, two. Yes, there it is. There it is. Uh, no. Okay. So, I mean, the, the first thing is you got to find a laundromat, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and that is a little bit easier said than done these days. They are a little bit of a hot commodity right now. Uh, demand is higher than uh, supply at the moment. So, Find a laundromat. Now you can Google laundromat for sale near me. You're probably going to get one of those uh, business, small business listing sites that come up uh, with laundromats and you can find deals there. But I always say I have this kind of philosophy. If you can find it sitting at home on the couch in your underwear, then anybody can find it. If you're just Googling, you know, scratching yourself on the couch, anybody can find that deal and it's probably not going to be great. Right. Same as real estate. So the three exactly. things that, that I find that are working really well right now, in fact, I had a coaching client yesterday who was like, I can't believe that this worked. Uh, you know, he just got a, a sweet deal on a laundromat. It was an off-market deal. And the way that he got it was the first way, which uh, I call the Google secret, which is you know sit on the couch in your underwear and, and Google laundromats for sale near me and find those business listing sites. And yes, check out those laundromats to get the experience and the repetition. But 
more importantly, find out who's listing them. They're the gatekeepers of almost all the laundromat deals out there. So build a relationship with those agents, with those brokers who are listing laundromats. So get in contact with the people listing them. And the way that it works is, you know, if, if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, I want to sell my laundromat. I say, okay, let's put together a package of information uh, about the laundromat. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that and I'm going to send it to my list of investors first and foremost, because I already know that they want to buy a laundromat there. They have the ability to buy a laundromat and they're going to close on that deal if they want it. So I'm going to send it to them first. They get first pick of it. And then after that, if none of them want it for whatever reason, it's going to end up online, right? So you want to be in those investor lists. So getting on the investor list of the agents, of the brokers, uh, first and foremost, uh, is really going to help you. And the way it works with laundromats is you can do it with a whole bunch of brokers and a whole bunch of agents. You don't have to focus with just one as a buyer. Uh, so get on as many as you can in your area. So that's number one. Uh, number two is, uh, do, you know, basically door knocking, go, you know, you see a laundromat, pull in, go talk to the owner and let them know that you're interested in buying. Uh, number three is basically like your yellow letter campaign or whatever, but just mail a letter. And there's a free template of that letter on laundromat resource. If you sign up for the free account, it's free download. You can download it, edit it or whatever. Uh, but basically just introducing yourself and asking if they're interested in selling and leaving your contact information. Um, so those are the three ways that I find that are working right now to be able to find good deals. Um, so once you find one, uh, you need to collect some information. So the basic information that you're going to need is, and, and really all you're going to get most of the time is general income numbers, general uh, expense numbers, and a general net income number. Um, and then you're, you're going to want to collect a little bit of more information. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but one of the things that makes buying a laundromat a little bit uncomfortable is that it's a cash business and it's hard mm-hmm. to verify the money, um, both going in and coming out. Uh, so that is a little unnerving, but the other thing that's a little hard for some people to swallow is you basically have to make your offer based off of numbers that the seller just gives you and you, they're going to be unverified and they're going to be probably pretty general, uh, most of the time. So you just make that offer, you know, with your LOI, with contingencies in there, contingents, you know, contingent on, um, uh, verification of income and expenses. That way you can get in there after you have an accepted offer and you can verify everything. And you're probably going to be renegotiating at some point, you know, anyways, you know, and then obviously you want like contingent on inspection of machines, maybe inspection mm-hmm. of the buildings, inspection of plumbing, um, you know, ins- you know, contingent on, uh, financing coming through, you know, the, those kind of typical ones also, Um, But you're basically going to make your offer based off of those numbers the seller gives you and and anticipate the possibility of having to renegotiate. And Uh, pause pause you real quick, though. Uh, An LOI is a letter of intent for people that are listening. It's what it's a document that you send to the sellers so that you can have like a formal statement that you are very, very serious and able to buy the business. Because they're going to have a lot of tire kickers and they're going to have a lot of lucky lose coming through. And they're like, oh, yeah, I want to buy the business. But then they don't have anything in writing. So what this is, is it's like submitting an offer on a house. But you're going to include all these contingencies that Jordan's including, which is exactly what your realtor would do for your house when you're purchasing a house. They want you to see, you know, they want to do an appraisal. They want to do a home inspection. Same thing that he's talking about here. Sorry to sorry to cut you off. No, yeah. No, good. I don't want to leave anybody behind. And we're doing like a quick... Uh, yeah, thirty thousand. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, so uh, once once you get that in there, um, you're gonna make your offer, you know, and hopefully, you know, maybe go back and forth, whatever. You'll get you'll get that offer accepted, and then you got to go about doing the due diligence, and you know, the due diligence is really the key to buying it correctly, right? And the you know, laundromat's valued based on its performance, and the number that represents performance is the net operating income, which is uh-huh. just your gross income, the total income minus your expenses. And it's not counting, you know, like taxes and it's not counting loan payments because you add those back in. So that is uh, the number. And then you're going to multiply that by a multiplier and it's going to be somewhere between three and a half to five usually. Uh-huh. Um, and the way that you determine it, there's a couple of things you're getting like a, 
real quick. Yeah, this, is, this is the note card. This is the note card version. Like this is a post-it sticky note overview. Yeah, I do free live webinars every week. And, you know, this is one of the webinars that I do. And it's this is the quick version. But um, but, you know, the way that you determine where on that scale from that three and a half to five, it is there's two main things that you can look at that will get you really close. And one is the age and condition of the machines. So no. obviously older mm-hmm. machines, not as valuable, newer machines, more valuable. Um, is so lease the other one. Yeah. So the, the lease boom in terms 20 of, laundromat points to Brian. Yeah, man, look at you. You're already the, the master. So go out and buy one. Oh God. Okay. Challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. And, and so, you know, you're going to be on the higher end if the equipment's new and you're going to be on the lower end if the equipment's super old. Um, and then for the lease, you know, same thing. So for the laundromat, a long lease is a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. I tell my consulting clients like, Hey, I, 10 years is like the minimum I would accept, you know, or, or encourage somebody to accept in almost every situation. And even at 10 years, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. And the reason for that for a laundromat specifically is that it's just really difficult to move a laundromat. And so if mm-hmm. your lease comes up after five years, you know, and the landlord says, you know what? I really don't like having a laundromat here anymore. Uh, I'm not going to renew your lease. Well, now you got all this equipment that you got to move into your garage and nowhere to put it, no business anymore, and you're done, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe even worse if the landlord said, hey, I'm going to double or triple your rent. Well, now you have a difficult decision to make, right? Do you just continue doing your business? You just are going to be making less money, which means not only are you putting less money in your pocket, every month, but because your expenses are higher, your net income is lower. And if your net income is lower, that means the value of your business is lower because that's mm-hmm. what your value of your business is based off of. So you just lost a bunch of equity too. So you're losing cash flow every month and equity. So tough, tough situation. So long lease is good. It brings stability to your business and, uh, and it also makes it more valuable when you go to sell it. So having a long lease is good. Yeah. And to put some numbers to kind of what Jordan's talking about when he's talking about the um, businesses selling up multiples to put like a number to it is if a laundromat was producing a hundred thousand dollars in revenue annually, then you would expect to spend anywhere on 350,000 to $450,000 to purchase that laundromat. So it's not as otherworldly as you would imagine you know, with the pricing, it's actually like compared to real estate right now, especially in my market, like it's actually like a pretty favorable pricing. And then I know we don't have enough time here, but a lot of these um, mom and pop owners will do seller financing. They'll carry the note. You can do low down payment. Like there's a lot of different ways to incorporate creative financing and getting these. And I'm saying all of this stuff because I've been talking about it and listening to so many people about it, but I still haven't done it. So I'm not worth crap. <laughs> so this so i can't wait to revisit this once um i'm an official laundromat owner and i got hit by my first uh laundry laundry waves out of my bridge in the middle of the ocean but um jordan i want to be uh, conscious of your time here brother man um so you talked about your fund what is your fund name where can people find you if they just got some cash laying around and they're like hey i like what this jordan dude's got to say I, I already invest in syndications i'm accredited take my money. Where do they find you? Yeah. Uh, it's called diligent capital investments. So it's just diligent capital investments.com. And we, you know, there's an email list you can sign up on there and get some more information about what it is that we're doing. And then when we have deals, you know, coming through, then, you know, you'll hear about it. Cool. And then where does everyone else find you? Uh, I mean, laundromatresource.com is the kind of catch all we're on. Um, you know, a lot of the social platforms. Although my Facebook got hacked and I got taken off as admin from the laundromat resource one and my like personal contact information is on there and they won't give it back to me. And it's been like a months long battle. So the, there's, we have a Facebook page, but I don't have any access to it. So I should just quit everything and just give up. I'm done. That's the wave yeah. that did me in. I'm yeah. Out. 
Mike, uh, it's done. Dang you, Zuckerberg. Dang you. <laughs> nah, but um, man, it's uh, been freaking awesome having you on here, man. It's uh, great to great to talk to you. I think we provided some massive value, massive action. And on that note, you're going to be the inaugural episode where I ask my closing question. Oh. Out of everything that we just talked about, this is the Action Academy. What are three things that you could pull out, three actionable things from our talk today that people can go and apply right now to make their lives and their path towards financial independence a little bit easier, a little bit better, a little bit more actionable? Yeah. Well, piece of cake, keep listening to this podcast. I mean, stuff going down here that is going to help you get to your goals. Uh, so that's number one. Uh, number two, I mean, it it is about the action, right? And so... You know, I tell people, hey, any podcast you listen to, any book you read, any YouTube, you know, educational YouTube video that you watch, what blog, whatever, however you consume your information, you know, that is all awesome. And like, do it, keep doing it. But I say this all the time, like learning is only good if you're putting action behind it. Action is what is going to pave the way to success for you to achieving your goals. You're never going to achieve your goals until you take action. So listening to this podcast, any other podcast, you know, whatever you're consuming there, pick one thing and put it into action. So I think that that is, um, a huge, huge, uh, takeaway here. And then number three, I would say, Hey, it's okay for a little bit to have shiny object syndrome and to figure out kind of what you're good at, what you like, what you don't like, what you're not as good at, but then pick and just stick with it and, and build, keep building that bridge, right? Keep building that bridge to the island. You're going to get hit with waves. I can't tell you, she have my wife on and she'll tell you like the ups and downs that I go through all, even still mm-hmm. all the time where I'm like, I just need to quit everything. Like, and my stuff will be like growing at like rapid paces. And I'm still like, dude, I just need to give up and like quit. I'm, I think I'm just done. And she's like, things are going better than ever. And I'm like, I know, I don't know. But you know what it is? It's just, you just got to keep going, right? It's just, you keep, you stick with it and just commit to something. And it, you, it really, I mean, look, I committed to laundry. It really doesn't matter what you commit to just commit to something. And there's going to be opportunities in it. Uh, mm-hmm. as long as you just stick with it, you know, for the long term. So, man, I think that's, I think that's a great way to end it. So this is Brian Lubin, your host of the action Academy podcast with Jordan Barry, the wishing, washing, Master, master, pastor, blaster, <laughs> <laughs> laundromat disaster, master, <laughs> signing <laughs> off. <laughs>